0: Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. What is up, Transformation Church? Come on. It is good to be here. Man, worship was incredible. I'm already, I bet I could go home right now. That was so good. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, Pastor Dylan already talked about it, but big serve day yesterday. Wow. My goodness, we were spread out across the whole city. Listen, if you served or were a part of Big Serve Day, we just wanna give you a hand right now. You are so amazing. Couldn't have done it without you. You are amazing, amazing. And I've just got, I've got three quick pictures I want to run through. We're going to put the first one up now. We were able to, uh, isn't that cute? We were able to uh, do this wash, walker, like car wash kind of thing for a Prosperity Point right down the street. And we had, it was so neat. We had young kids doing this for elderly people. And just to see the two meet, these two like almost distant generations meet and, and, and intermingle. It was, it was just a beautiful thing just to get to bless our, elderlies, our elderly people with the light and love of Jesus Christ. And then uh, the, Pastor Dylan already mentioned it. We were able to build two wheelchair ramps for people. Didn't Come on, come on. So awesome. Those guys work so hard and so proud of them. And then the last picture, I absolutely love this. This is Chad Atala giving somebody a big hug. Listen, we were at a gas station at the Kroger, I think, down the street, and we were praying for people while pumping their gas. Come on. Listen, the prayer was so good. Somebody drove off with the pump and they're still in the car still. What's up, man? (laughs) Shout out to Gary Korea, somebody. All right, hey, listen, it's such a great day to be in the house of the Lord. I I am so excited. My name is Justin. I'm part of the team here. Me and my wife are on staff. We we get the the pleasure of leading you into worship all the time. And it's such an amazing thing to be a part of a church that puts Jesus at the center. Our vision is to make Jesus known so that lives are transformed, hallelujah, hallelujah, we're in a sermon series called Summer at Transformation, come on, it's summertime y'all, we're feeling the heat, feeling the goodness of the Lord, come on, we kicked this thing off strong with student takeover a couple of weeks ago, just a quick plug, if you missed it, it's on YouTube, you gotta check it out, it was awesome to hear from our youngsters, and then uh, at the end of the month, I'm so excited, we got five in five coming back, come on, Listen, hey, we're dialing it up to 10. We got, the, uh, we got the buzzer coming back. So when they run out of time, we're gonna go, ah. Eh, like, it's gonna, be, it's gonna be awesome, man. We're so excited for five and five. Hey, uh, I'm ready to dive in if you guys are. So we're gonna, we're gonna jump right in. Uh, who in here uh, has ever been to Sunday school? Anybody remember Sunday school? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And for those of you who didn't raise your hand, it's because you weren't dragged to Sunday school. And that is okay. <laughs> but I, I remember Sunday school vividly. In fact, a lot of times, uh, I, I feel like I remember more that was taught in Sunday school than I did in kids' church back when I was a kid. We have a completely different program now. It is amazing. We didn't have that when I was yay high. But we did have Sunday school. And so I, I remember, as many of you probably remember they had this felt board that they would use. They'd do these little cutouts of the cartoons. I mean, these are like old, 80s style cartoons, and they'd they put them up. You'd be like, it'd be like, hey kids, this is Noah, and they kind of do this, and then and then they, uh, oh, and here's the ark, and look, a rainbow and two giraffes, isn't that awesome? And it's like, whoa, cool. And then we got Adam and Eve with the weird leaf underwear, and then. Uh, and then the, the the actual, the powerful, oh, this is Moses with his staff, and he's saying, let my people go, you know, it's these these awesome heroes of the faith, we got to hear about them on a felt board. And even to this day, when I read the scriptures sometimes, I'll still have these images come in my head. When I, I just, I'm reading about Moses, and all I see is just a green background with like a little cartoon doing this, you know, I, just, I don't know, this, my brain does weird things like that, I guess I'm a visual learner, but... Uh, I I remember these stories, but I remember also like ingesting these stories into my heart and mind. And they they really kind of became like caricatures or Saturday morning cartoons. What I didn't realize was that these were real humans. As I studied the scriptures on my own and I, I poured into God's word, I realized they're humans. They're flesh and blood like me, like you. And I realize that God takes the broken, sullied, messed up, sinful, addicted, depressed, and he makes them beautiful. Isn't that good? Come on. So today we're going to be looking at the book of Judges, somebody. Book of Judges kicking it Old Testament today. We're going to be reading about the story of Samson. Come on. It's probably been a minute since somebody's heard Samson, so we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be jumping in. I, j- I just want to give you a couple quick details. Samson. It's important to remember that he was a Nazarite. Okay, he had this Nazarite vow. I there, I don't really have a great metaphor for it, but I'm gonna use this and just understand it's not perfect. It's almost like being like a monk kind of thing, right? It's this set apart deal. Now he could still live and get married and all all that stuff, but, uh, the Nazarites were set apart from the already set apart Israel. And, uh, the main difference for Samson is that unlike normal Nazarites, which it was just a temporary vow people would take, Samson was a Nazarite from birth. He was a Nazarite his whole life. Uh, which, and that's unique. And then also, because of this vow, Samson gets this incredible strength. And so we get that cartoon character of him being like, oh, Samson, Hulk, Hulk, you know what I mean? Like that whole, like, he's like a, a God-fearing, incredible Hulk, you know? But uh, Samson, he had this great power. At w- one point, he lifted a city gate and carried it with him and dropped it somewhere else. A city gate? We don't have city gates in Knoxville, but I think we've all seen them in movies and stuff. They're big. Not one person can move them. And then, probably my favorite part of his story, and maybe it's just because I like a good troll story, but he took 300 foxes. It says he caught 300 foxes. I can't catch a roach. (laughs) And he caught 300 of them. And then he took their tails, tied tied them together in pairs, their tails, oh my gosh, and then put a torch in between them and sent them out into fields ready to be harvested just to troll the Philistines. That was like act of war kind of stuff. And then the most famous, probably exploit of, of Samson that we've probably, many of us have heard is that he took the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand dudes in one day. With a bone. That same roach I was trying to catch, I, I smush it with my shoe and I'm like, hey dude, a thousand people with a bone. Come on, man. This guy was strong. But the key to his strength was his Nazarite vow. And a major part of this vow was to never let a razor touch the hair of their head. They, he could never cut his hair. So from the, his birth all the way up until the point of his story we're gonna read about today, a razor had never touched his head. So we're gonna jump into the text for today. Uh, it's gonna be Judges 16, verse 15 to 22. I'm in the NRSV for those that are interested in that. Uh, Then Delilah said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me three times now and have not told me what makes your strength so great. Finally, after she had nagged him with her words day after day and pestered him, he was tired to death. So he told her his whole secret and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my womb, my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, then my strength would leave me. I would become weak and like anyone else. When Delilah realized that he had told her his whole secret, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines saying, this time come up for he has told his whole secret to me. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands and she let him fall asleep on her lap. She called the man and had him shave off the seven locks of Samson's head. And then he began to weaken And his strength left him. Then she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. When he awoke from his sleep, he thought, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. So the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza, bound him with bronze shackles, and he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. My title today is Felt Board Failures. Let's pray. God, you search us and you know us. You know our innermost being. We submit our lives to you. I pray that as Pastor Dylan's already prayed, that you would open hearts, that you would open eyes, you would open ears to what you are doing, God. That you would begin a restorative work today in our lives. We love you. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. So Samson's story begins much like our own when we are called into God's kingdom, when we, are, when we get saved, when we join the family of God. Samson's begins with a call. We get called. Uh, Samson's call happened uh, actually before he was born in chapter 13 of Judges. So I want to break that down because I think it's very key to understanding uh, his story and, and our story, really. So what is calling? It's the first part is a name. We get a name, which is the who. Samson was set apart from birth as a Nazarite. He was called Samson, a Nazarite to God. That was his name. And then he he gets a purpose, which is the what of his life. God didn't just name Samson as his own. He gave him the purpose, which was to begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. And then Samson gets this destiny, which is the goal, the end, the why. Samson's end was appointed. at the Before he was even born, the angel of the Lord told his parents that he would be born a Nazarite and would die a Nazarite. His vows intact, the Holy Spirit of God with him. So what about us? We get... We get a calling when we accept the invitation to join the kingdom of heaven. When we when we, we get a name. You see, God adopts us into his family. We become a child of God. I become Justin, son of God. You become a son or daughter of God. He gives us a name. We are his children. And Paul writes in Romans 8, If children, then heirs. Heirs to the kingdom. Come on. And then Jesus is very clear. He gives us a purpose. Jesus is very clear what our purpose is. Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he gives us the great commission, which is to go into all the world and make disciples of Jesus. So that's our name and purpose. And then we have this beautiful destiny. On the cross, Jesus was there, crucified, he's about to die, and one of the thieves looks over him and says, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. He believed, remember me. And Jesus said, this day, you will be with me in paradise. It says in the Bible that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You see, as soon as we die, we're with Jesus. If, if this is our calling, if we've accepted our name and our purpose, we get this glorious destiny Hallelujah. What our calling does, what our name, our purpose and our destiny does is it gives us hope, hope to wake up to a new day, knowing that God is on the throne and they ain't nothing the devil can do about it. Nothing. No, 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 no. This, our, our name, our purpose, and our destiny give us the courage and the hope to get through even the darkest and dreariest of times of our lives. It's that same hope that Daniel had in the lion's den. It's that same hope that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had in the fiery furnace. And it's the same hope that Paul and Silas had as they were singing praises to God in the deepest and darkest of prisons. Huh. This hope it can help us fight the enemies of our calling. It empowers us. It it bolsters us. It edifies us. Paul writes in the second chapter of Titus, uh, verse 11 to 13, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all, training us to renounce impiety and worldly passions, and in the present age to live lives that are self-controlled, upright, and godly, while we wait for the blessed hope of the manifestation of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, the blessed hope of Jesus' return. He is coming back, church. He is coming back. And that is our ultimate destiny, to be caught up with him in the clouds, to be with Jesus. It is this this beautiful gift, this beautiful gift of hope has enabled the church to endure for generations, even through the harshest of persecutions. This beautiful hope has empowered us to fight the enemies of our calling. In Samson's story, we find that the greatest enemy to his calling, maybe outside his own pride, would be these nagging people. His first wife nagged him into submission, and then Delilah nagged him in the same way to reveal to get him to reveal the secret of his strength. And we have things that nag us as well. In fact, the Satan, the devil who never sleeps, he is constantly nagging us. And not only that, but we have our own fallen flesh. It nags us through chemistry and biology and, 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 and thought processes. And it, can honestly, it honestly feels like the deck is stacked against us. Because the truth is, life is filled with things that nag us. So my daughter, she's three and a half years old. My goodness, if you've ever met her, you'll never forget her. She's maximum personality, maximum energy. She is just beautiful. I, I love her so much. But uh, she, she's starting to do this thing. Listen, if you've ever been around three-year-olds or young children, then you know that they have this special set of skills designed to get us to submit to their will. Right? So if those of you know, those of you who don't, you will one day. Uh, but so when he started doing this thing where she will, she'll, she's very polite at first, she'll, uh, she'll come up and say, uh, maybe I'm doing something or I'm working on something or I'm talking to Melissa. And she'll say, daddy, may I please have a juice? And I'm like, oh, uh, you know, but I didn't hear it. So I'm doing my thing. And then it, she kind of ramps it up a little bit. Daddy, may I please have a juice? Daddy? Can I have a juice? Daddy, juice, daddy, juice, daddy, juice. <laughs> and finally, I'm like, okay, grape or fruit punch. <laughs> that's a, listen, that's a cute story. But in reality, how many things have nagged us to the point of giving up? A stray thought that gets out of control a friend trying to get us to do something, our own body nagging us, stuff on our phones, TVs, computers, nagging us into making irresponsible decisions. So many things. We get nagged and nagged by temptations daily. That's why Jesus, when he was instructing the apostles on how to pray, he added this little bit in there. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You see, Jesus knew, he knew that as humans, it can be really difficult to fight temptation. And if we keep returning over and over and over again to sources of temptation, it's no wonder why we mess up. That was Samson's problem. Samson, he kept coming back to Delilah Listen, y'all, he knew what she was after. She she didn't love Samson. Because she kept asking, what's your secret? What's your secret? What's your secret? She was after, you know what she was after? The money from the Philistines. She didn't care about Samson. He was a means to an end. Samson was ruled by his urges and didn't have the wherewithal to remove himself from or steer clear of temptations. I genuinely think that because of the great power that God had given to Samson, Samson let that grow his pride and he believed he was invulnerable, invincible, and impervious to the consequences of his actions. He thought that since he had this prophecy that he was gonna die a Nazarite, ah, I'm good. And before before his birth, his great power and, and that his calling and connection to God were secure no matter what he did. He thought he could flirt with disaster over and over and over again and that he would just save the day or fix it all in the 11th hour. You can go read his story. That's kind of what happens a few times in there. But don't we do this, too? Sometimes we we keep coming back to these great temptations in our life. And we say, you know what? This time, it'll be different. I got this this time. I went to church. I got a good word. I can handle it now. We go back and back and back to these great temptations. I'm stronger than I used to be. But what Samson didn't realize was that his calling was his lifeline. His calling, his name, his purpose, his destiny. Kept him connected to God. When we fail to guard our calling, we can lose our connection to God. Let me make this clear. It is never God that leaves us. It is never him that forsakes us. It is always something that we put between us and God. When we choose those nagging things just to get a temporary reprieve from whatever nagging is going on. We are choosing that temporary, temporary ah, uh, over the king and king, king of kings and lord of lords who has this infinite love toward you. Infinite love. As children of God, we have to do our best to not let anything come between us and the Lord. You see, Samson, he let Delilah lull him to sleep. He knew she was seeking a secret, yet he still relaxed around her to the point of falling asleep in her lap. What things have we become relaxed around that we know aren't good for us, that we know are working against us? Things that lead us to sin, or maybe, here's the worst, almost sin. What entertainment do we watch? What podcast do we listen to? What friends do we associate with? It could be anything in our lives. You see, Samson took his power and his calling for granted. And as a result, he treated them ultimately with contempt. He relaxed around people and things that do not honor and worship God. He fell in love with a person who did not have his best interest at heart and was actively working against him and he revealed his secret because he was too tired and wearied by this Delilah who had nagged him to the point of death. Samson, like us many times, he was playing fast and loose with his calling. He failed to guard his calling and his connection to God, and he lost it. You see, Samson was a failure. He was a failure. I didn't realize this when I was in Sunday school class hearing about it, getting the little felt board lessons. I didn't realize that when muscly-armed Samson went up and the pillars and all all the things that he did and the jawbone and all that, that Samson, he, he was a felt board failure. I didn't realize that. All I saw were these pictures of his strength and awesomeness. And I think that's what he saw too. But it turns out he was a failure. He failed to guard his vow. He didn't stay vigilant over his connection to God. He failed in his mission. At this point in the story, he had failed in his mission to deliver Israel from the Philistines. This is Israel's leader. It says in the passages right before this that Samson was the judge of Israel. He was the leader of the country. He was the judge for 20 years and he was imprisoned, blinded, shackled, powerless now, and worst of all, the Holy Spirit of God had left him. Have you ever been in a place where you feel like this? Have you ever been in a place where like, there's, there's just no hope and you, you try to point fingers and put blame, but it all comes back to you. Maybe you had a failed business venture. Maybe you're in a failing or already failed marriage. Maybe you failed your kids as a parent. You feel like that. Maybe you had a, Maybe even you had a call to ministry on your life, but you squandered it on sin and selfishness. But when I study the word, when I get my Bible, I, I, I got a word for somebody today. I like to use my pen to make notes. There's somebody in here who feels weird about writing in your Bible with a pen. Just to let you know, delivered from that in Jesus' name. Uh, the, listen, you writing in your Bible, doesn't. It, the manuscripts are safe, okay? They're safe. They're under lock and key and guarded very well, all right? You writing in your Bible isn't gonna cause a problem. So when I, when I underline, and in, in I love to underline and circle things, and I'll even make little, uh, I'll, I'll do the, a little cross when in the Old Testament, I feel like Jesus is kind of like, hey, I'm here. I'll put a little cross. But one of the things I just absolutely love is to find the word but. There are buts. Sometimes, all throughout scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, I'll find these buts in scripture, and it almost feels like I can feel the tangible power of God dripping on the page from these buts. I like to call them, this isn't original to me, I like to call them holy buts. Yeah, I I I I don't. It's it's not, I, I heard it somewhere. I can't. I don't know how to give credit to where credit is due there. But uh, I, the holy but, the best holy but we got in the Bible is uh, Jesus was dead on Friday, but he was risen on Sunday. Amen. Come on, the resurrection power of Jesus. That's the best. That's the best but we got. And and honestly, it feels like it's God's favorite thing to do in Scripture, as he he takes something irredeemably bad and turns it into the beautiful and utmost good. Samson was a failure, but his story wasn't over. Judges 16, 22. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. But! The hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Listen to me. Your story is not over. It's not over. You may be in a failing marriage, but the hair on your head is growing back. You may have had that failed business, but the hair on your head is growing back. You may be in a cycle of addiction over and over, but the hair on your head is growing back. You may be sinning over and over. The hair is growing back. Listen, you may be so tired, so sick and tired, tired to death of failing over and over and over again. But let me tell you, the hair on your head is growing back. Your strength is returning. Your strength is returning. Because this here's this why. God has called you and God is calling you. He's called you to live your life for him. He's calling you by his name. He's giving you his purposes for your life. And he's got a glorious destiny for you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you are eight or 80. It's never too late to begin to walk out in your name, purpose, and destiny. The reason why I believe Samson's in the Bible, the reason why I believe that Samson gets the biggest chunk out of judges than anyone else. We talk about Gideon and Deborah and all them all the time, but Samson gets the biggest chunk. The reason why, if he was in that prison and he had been blinded and that was the end of his story, I'm convinced that he would have gotten just a little footnote. Samson, really strong, did bad thing, end. But his story wasn't over. The hair on his head began to grow. He failed and then started again. He called out to God. Let's read Judges 16, 27 to 30. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, Lord God, remember me and strengthen me only this once, O God, so that with this one act of revenge, I may pay back the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested. He leaned his weight against him, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. He strained with all his might and the house fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. Listen to this. So those he killed at his death were more than those he had killed during his life. Samson completed his purpose. He fulfilled his destiny. He was born and died in Nazarite with the Holy Spirit of God on him. Listen, it doesn't matter how many times you failed. It doesn't matter how many times you've failed. What is it it that Captain America always says? Where are my Marvel fans at? What is it that Captain America says every time he gets knocked down? Yeah. He gets back up. Come on, man. He's like, I can do this all day. I can do this all day. That's us. We can do this all day. Why? Because God can take your failure and get you to your destiny. He took, listen to this, he took Samson's failure and put him in the exact right place at the exact right time to deliver a crippling blow to the leadership and power structure of Israel's great enemy, the Philistines. All of them, dead, 3,000 of them. Samson's purpose to begin the deliverance of Israel fulfilled his destiny His failure got him to his destiny. Why? Because Samson remembered his calling and cried out to God. i got a word for somebody today. You may be sitting here today and you were sitting in the middle of a failure. You're in it. You're living it. You're feeling it. i got a word for you today that God is gonna take that failure that you're in. He's gonna get you to your destiny. And this next season of your life You are going to do more in that next season of your life than you have done your entire life prior. I believe that word is for somebody today. He's going to use your failure to get you to your destiny. Listen, maybe you're still not convinced. Maybe you feel like you've failed too much or you've got too much to overcome. you're, You're a lost cause. During Jesus' torment at the hands of the high priest. This is the night before he was crucified. Peter was trying to stay close to him. Much like Samson, though, Peter was nagged. He got nagged. Somebody came up to him as as Peter was trying to get a peek to see what's happening to Jesus. They were like, hey, 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 you. You're you're with that Jesus fella, aren't you? And he was like, no, 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 not me. Second time had happened. And he said, heck no, it ain't me. Then third time, he cussed like a sailor and said, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, not me. And in that moment, the rooster crowed, and he realized what Jesus had told him. Hey, you're gonna deny me three times. And Peter was like, No, I'm not gonna do that. I would never. But he realized he did. And he it says, he left and wept bitterly. Peter was so jacked up and messed up after this. Maybe that's how you feel. Listen, Peter, he he had seen with his eyes and felt with his hands the resurrected King Jesus after this. He had seen Jesus. And when Jesus said, Peter, you guys go up to Galilee and, and I'll meet you there. When he got to Galilee, he was so messed up. He was so stuck in his failure. He couldn't see beyond it. That what did he do? He said, you know, man, let's go fishing. You see, Peter was a fisherman when Jesus called him. When Jesus called him, he said, hey, you, come with me. And he, he was fishing. G, G, Peter had decided to go back to his old name, Peter, a fisherman, and his old purpose to catch fish and his old destiny to die a fisherman, I guess. His old name, his old purpose, and old destiny. How many times when we fail, do we say, Well, I got that fallback plan? I'll just, I'll just hop back on that. I'll go back to the at least I'm this, you know. I I I I failed God, I failed the church, I failed my family, I failed all this. Well, but at least I got this that makes me feel good. I've got this, that this old, I you know, I know I'm good at that. Peter, when Jesus went to call him when he was fishing. He was failing at fishing. <laughs> this is the thing you wanted to do. It's, it's irony. But I, I just want to tell you, that fallback plan you've got, that thing that you're like, well, at least this makes me feel, you could fail at that. You can fail at that. But this, this broken Peter, who had seen the face of the resurrected King Jesus, who was sit, sitting in his failure, what does Jesus do? when he encounters this Peter, who he had called Rock. In John 21, 15 to 19, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I, I believe he was pointing to the fish on the plate. I think. You could, you could make other, I, I, that, feel, that feels good. He doesn't say in the Bible. Just take my word for it. Uh, and then he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? So he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. Peter was crucified upside down. He believed he wasn't worthy enough to be crucified the same way as Jesus. But what Jesus did in that moment is he took Peter's failure, that the, the three denials, and he turned them into three affirmations that he loves Jesus. And Jesus said three times, feed my sheep, tend my flock, feed my lambs. <laughs> Peter went on to lead the early church as it was beginning. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people were saved. He was instrumental in the establishment of the church throughout the world. He truly, in his ultimate destiny, lived up to the name that Jesus had given him, Peter, which means rock. You're sitting in your failure right now, but God is calling you. He's saying, Son, daughter, come home. Come home. Come to me. Remember your name, your purpose and your destiny. Embrace me. Forget that failure. I'm going to take it and turn it for my good to get you to your destiny. You're going to fail. You're going to. Jesus knows it. He said, I know you're going to fail. I knew you were going to do it before. Just like he did to Peter. I knew you were going to fail before you failed. But remember this. When you fail, the hair starts growing back. The hair starts growing back with every head bowed and every eye closed. You're sitting here today. You're hearing about this God that can take failures and turn them into destiny, that can take us broken humans, lousy humans that calls us friend. You're sitting here today and you feel this invitation, this call, this thing within you to respond to the call of God. Maybe for the first time ever, you've heard about this resurrected Jesus who died on Friday, arose on Sunday, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. If that's you, and you feel a pull, a tug in your heart, and you want to respond, to join the kingdom of heaven, to take on your new name, your new purpose, and your new destiny by making a fresh start with God, then would you just slip your hand in the air? Would you just slip, I'm not gonna call you down, I'm not gonna embarrass you. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. God thanks you for your boldness. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you can still answer the call by agreeing with this prayer. Let's pray. God, you've seen every hand that was raised in the air and every hand that was raised in the heart. God, we make a bold declaration today that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He may have died on Friday. That was for our sins. And then he rose again uh, on Sunday so we may have eternal life. God, we thank you for Jesus, the Son of God, who sits at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning over all. Right now, those of us who are making that profession right now, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with, our whole, with your Holy Spirit. You would fill us with confidence and boldness from on high that we've never known before in our entire lives. We love you, Lord. You are Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Before before we end, I want to do one more prayer. I want to do one more prayer. I I believe that there is a restorative work that can happen right now in your heart. A restoration can happen. God, he's the God of the redeemed. He's already bought and paid for you. He wants to restore you, renew you, regenerate you. And the same work that Jesus did in Peter, who was wallowing in his failure, he can do right now, today, in you. So I want to pray a special prayer of restoration over those of us who, we may be secure in our calling, we feel that those things still, but we're still failing. God is restoring you, he is renewing you, and he has already redeemed you. So let's pray. God, we lift up our hearts to heaven. And we say, breathe on us anew. Breathe on us a fresh, God. You are a refreshing God. You, uh, All my fountains are found in you. Huh. But Lord, you, I believe that the work that you've did in Peter, Lord, you are gonna do it right now. That same spirit of restoration is breaking out in this place right now. Every heart that feels it, every heart that needs it today, Lord, as we remember our name, our purpose, and our beautiful destiny that you have given us. Refresh us, renew us, restore us, and begin to let our strength grow as we feel that the hair on our head is growing again, Lord. Refresh us and restore us, Lord, by the power of your holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So be it, church. So be it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.